night wore on until Jacob became suddenly and kind of frighteningly aware that someone was there with him in the darkness. Until he, he became aware that God was present in that place and that it was with God that he was wrestling. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There's a, a lot of things in this life that we, we really just don't understand and um, it's probably true for you as it is for me that we sometimes struggle with God over some serious questions. Why is there so much pain in the world? Why do, do bad things seem to befall good people? Why do we hurt one another? Why is there so much strife among nations in the world? Why can't people get along? Today, we look at one of the most famous struggles in all of the Bible uh, with God. Uh, Jacob was an ambitious and shrewd son of Isaac and Rebekah, who from the very beginning, and I mean the very beginning, would do whatever it took to keep up with his very slightly older twin brother and eventually try and get ahead. We are told in Genesis in a kind of fun and meaningfully fraught detail that while Esau was born ahead of Jacob, Jacob was clinging to Esau's heel as they entered this world together. But in time, Jacob's shenanigans will, will catch up with him. He looks up one day, many years later, long after stealing the birthright blessing that rightfully belonged to his brother, and he sees Esau coming and Esau had already promised or threatened that he would kill his brother Jacob. And Esau is not coming alone. He's got a posse of 400 men with him, we are told. Jacob tries to think of what he might do. His, his brother's still a distance off. He assembles his, half of his extensive uh, accumulated resources in his camp and sends it out as a kind of advanced gift to try and get his brother to turn back. But he continues closing the distance. And that night, Jacob was laying there on the cold, hard ground, surrounded by darkness, maybe nothing to see but the dying embers of the campfire. And he could hear the Jabbok River flowing nearby. They had recently crossed. Jacob was very much alone. And dawn was certainly not something to look forward to. And he lay there curled up under his sheepskin, staring into what remained of that fire and remembered. He remembered his past. And his past was catching up with him. He remembered how he had deceived his father and cheated his brother Esau out of his rightful inheritance. He'd entered his dying father's tent and put some animal skin on his arm so his dad might think he was his 
his older brother. He remembered the wrong he had done so many years before and the recollection pressed in on him and churned his insides over and over and gnawed at him until he felt empty and exhausted, but sleep would not come. How could it? Instead, the memories were like a strong current sweeping him away unwillingly to think about his whole life, not only what he had done in his youth, but about who he'd become in this world. And it brought him to this place. And there in the darkness by the river, he feared his approaching brother. And maybe you've noticed that sometimes your own past, your shortcomings, the thing you should have done but haven't, the, the things you should not have done but have, how they, they tend to catch up with you at night. And sleep is hard to come by. Responsibilities chasing you. The fears and worries, concerns of the day, the grief. Maybe you've noticed how all this stuff tends to invade your mind late in the evening just when you're trying to get enough sleep to deal with some of it the next day. Can't just be me. The night wore on until Jacob became suddenly and kind of frighteningly aware that someone was there with him in the darkness. Until he, he became aware that God was present in that place and that it was with God that he was wrestling. And, and with God who knew him only too well, knew all of it, knew of his sins from the moment he was born, maybe prior to his birth, right through the stealing of the blessing and all of the things he had done, God who had seen him kneel by his father and steal the birthright, knew his disobedience. With this God, Jacob wrestled all through the night. And, and what is maybe the most amazing of all, and on some level matters to you and me, is that God allows it. God does not appear in all of God's might and majesty and power to Jacob, which would have just scared him to death before the match even got started. God, we are told, appears as a man. Here's the God who's willing to wrestle with us, willing to participate in a battle of wills, a God who can take our questions and our doubts and our fears and our illness and our grief our brokenness, God can take it. A God who wants to be present and known to us even in the darkness of the long cold night when sleep cannot get past our racing minds and we can feel how vulnerable we are as though we are about to get what we have coming. As Europe struggled out of the dark ages and into the middle ages, one of the most precious commodities available only to the elite and the learned were books. Uh, books were tucked away and treasured, usually in, in libraries that were almost exclusively hosted and in, in, uh, kept in monasteries. Sometimes in communities, uh, a church might be fortunate enough to have a, a pulpit Bible which would be chained to the pulpit so that it would not disappear. A metaphor clearly worth some consideration, the Word of God chained inside of the church. Martin Luther spent untold hours poring over a Bible just such as that within the Augustinian monastery in Wittenberg and his translating of that Holy Scripture, his interpretation has been 
setting people free by the millions ever since. Free of the terror of a vengeful God closing the distance on his way to judge and condemn us and give us what we have coming. This God that Luther believed was after him his whole life. A God that demanded a righteousness that Luther knew he would never be able to attain. But Luther met a God whose righteousness was a gift. Righteousness was a gift by a gracious God. It was this freedom that he found in that Bible. Freedom from being defined by our past sins or by our disease or being defined by our fear of what's coming on the horizon or by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the free gift of God. On a cold, dark night, Jacob wrestled with God, a God who knew everything there was to know about Jacob. And he wouldn't let go of him. Jacob wanted a blessing. And when Jacob finally goes out to face the music with his brother Esau, as the distance has finally been closed, the two of them, rather than entering into a, a life and death struggle, they fall into each other's arms and they embrace and there is a tearful reconciliation. There is grace. There is forgiveness. And here's the good news for us. The same God, our God, struggles with us in the midst of our fear and of our sadness and of our doubts. We are so often hearing from a family member who's saying to us, you know, I'm, I'm just so distraught. Our child is uh, they're, they're away at college or whatever the case might be, and they're not going to church or they're grown and having their own children and they're not really interested in the faith any longer. And, and you can feel the anxiety coming from mom or dad or sometimes grandpa or grandma. Here is a God that's willing to wrestle with us in all of that, our doubts, our faithlessness, our fear, our, our, our anger, our, our disease, our brokenness, a God who closes the distance, not with judgment or condemnation, but with grace, with God's self. Here is my body given for you, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. We end up winning the match with God because God throws the match. And on the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. We win the match because God throws the match. And on our behalf, claims us and says to each of us, I'm here with you. Whatever the status currently of your faith or your body or your life, I'm here. This is me given for you for the forgiveness of your sin. This is a God who has again this morning closed the distance. And when that distance was closed, said, I've got some good news. 
the chain is broken off the, the off the the word of God that kept it trapped in the church and kept those who felt unworthy uh, away from the community of faith who felt as though to come into the place of worship would be to allow this God to close the distance, this God who knows everything about you, all of the stuff that keeps you awake at night. Uh, and the distance has been closed today. Regardless of how you came in here, God did not wait to hear that you have no doubts on this sunny October morning or that you have no fears or that you drag behind you no bag full of sin or that you're not afraid of illness or that you're not grieving a loss. God didn't wait to hear any of that before God closed the distance in Christ to say, this is my body given for you, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. So we leave here into a world that fears what goes on in here, that is suspicious that this God is out to get them. But we go having been claimed, fed, forgiven, and sent. We go bearing good news, and we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.